You want to start or should we or should I? You can just like last time there if you could edit that last bit out. You don't have to say that. I feel like I do. You don't. She's okay. smart enough. <laughs> she is. She's wonderful. <laughs> we keep that part in. <laughs> Cold open. <laughs> I'm scared. I love you. I won't go up there. I'll always be there for you. It's just me. You are so beautiful. You're everything to me. Will you marry me? Hello, and welcome to the first ever real episode of Eerily Ever After. I'm Evan. And I'm Emily. And we are here to drag your rotting little corpses through couples therapy with us through horror movies. <laughs> um, so we're going to start off, just as I said, being this the first episode, we're going to start off by uh, telling us, telling you a little bit about ourselves and a little bit about the podcast, and then we'll get going with the actual first episode. Um, so like I said, I'm Evan. I am currently a student, and uh, I'm currently self-employed, taking some time off to focus on my passions, which is this Hopefully that goes well. We'll see. <laughs> um, in my spare time, I build models. Other than that, I mostly just dote on my fiance, and I'm going to let her take over from here. That's true. You do dote on me quite a bit. <laughs> um, as I said, I am Emily. I am also a student. I am getting my second graduate degree. I also have a full-time day job and a part-time evening job. So I'm just a little bit manic. Yeah, just a little bit. Not a lot, right? I mean, depends on the day. I mean, that's fair. Let's just put this out there. I'm diagnosed bipolar. Um, so that's something that we it's are not going so much to... That, it's not so much that I can't deal with it. I should say that. And that's fair. But it's something that we do deal with in our relationship. So apart from the horror movies we'll be talking about, we'll be talking about the day-to-day -day horrors of two people with conflicting mental illnesses being yeah. in a relationship. <laughs> yeah, because I should I should also mention that I um, deal with anxiety, depression, and insomnia, which I love to call the Holy Trinity. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only holy thing in this apartment. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so, but on this podcast, what we want to do is we want to juxtapose romance and horror because I bring a lot of romance into our relationship and not, and it's not that you don't, you know, but I, that's kind of what I came to this relationship with. And I came with so much horror. <laughs> and I absolutely hated horror movies before I met you. There was like a couple classics that I liked or, or like ones that had been recommended to me because they were made by a director I liked, like Cabin in the Woods is an example of that. But for the most part, I was not a horror movie watcher uh, before I met you. Right. But I feel like we had a couple of really good experiences. With, oh, absolutely. Yeah. With movies that had got quite a bit of attention, like I'm thinking Parasite and Midsummer. We had really good experiences with those. But then we also had really good experiences with, I think, with what I think some audiences would call not quite B movies, but maybe A minus movies like Dead Silence. You were really into that movie. Oh, that movie was great. <laughs> that was that was that was fantastic. I remember when he was running out of the 
out of the mansion, like and, like nearing the end, kind of like climax area, and he's like looking for the boat, and I was like, oh hey, I guess I like horror movies now. <laughs> that was a theater, not a mansion. Oh whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but so so basically every podcast we're gonna go on a date. And I am going to bring the date part of the date. And Emily is going to pick a horror movie for us to watch. And we're going to watch that horror movie. And then on the podcast itself, we're going to cover, uh, we're going to cover the date extensively enough that you, that our listeners could recreate the date if they wanted to. And then, and then on top of that, we're going to talk about the horror movie. Um, and, and we're not necessarily going to go into detail. Like you really should watch the movie before we do our podcast or before you listen to our podcast. Because we're not we're not gonna do a recap or anything like that. We're just gonna we're just gonna use the movie to talk about our relationship and our lives and and it's not like we won't talk about the movie, but we're gonna let it create discussion, basically. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we want you all to feel like you're hanging out with us because our favorite thing to do is to host. So if That's you very can true. yeah. So if you can come on a date with us, we are so thrilled. So we hope you participate and watch the movie and then <laughs> drench yourselves in the chaotic, dysfunctional mess that is Emily and Evan. <laughs> <laughs> Which leads us to the date we just got done with. Ooh, can we talk about the food first, please? Uh, yeah, if you really <laughs> want to. I'm pretty proud of it. So, Oh, I really want to talk about the food because this is one of the best meals of this kind that I have had since I left Texas. No. Yes. That's such a high compliment. You no. can't you can't find it's not even barbecue. It doesn't matter. All right. All I right, haven't right. had ribs this good <laughs> so, in so, so long. <laughs> so uh we should clarify Emily is not from Texas. She no. went to school in Texas. I did. Yeah. Rattlers, where are you? I went to St. Mary's in San Antonio. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so tonight I made uh, we had a we had a full rack of ribs in the freezer, and I wanted to do something special with it. So I made I made a dry rub, which you can find the recipe in the show notes. And um, I put that in the oven for about an hour, hour, hour 20 on 300. And then I grilled it and I glazed it with a mixture of peach marmalade and apple cider vinegar. And then alongside that, I had garlic mashed potatoes and grilled Brussels sprouts. The Brussels sprouts would probably be the hardest part to recreate at your home because the only reason it really worked was because they were huge. So I was able to actually grill them because they didn't fall through the slats or anything. <laughs> so that was really good. And uh, and yeah, so pictures and recipe and all that are on are, are going to be in the show notes. And then we also paired that with uh, Sailor Superstition Red Blend Rum Barrel Wine which is a really great wine that I've had before. I, I really, really enjoy this wine. And uh, it has um, notes of candied orange and cherry, which make them go very well with pork and really barbecue. I mean, this wasn't barbecue, but anything off a grill, smoked meats, things like that. So it was just a really good pairing to go with this. And I actually have a special surprise drink for us to drink right now while we record in celebration of our first episode, <laughs> considering how well our test went. Oh, I'm, but I'm about to derail the surprise because I have to ask, will you please glaze me in peach marmalade and apple cider vinegar? <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. I can't get over it. It tasted, so I remember when I, when I was eating it just like an hour ago, I was thinking, damn, this tastes like what I want a fall night 
bonfire to taste like. It was just so good. I am very lucky to have someone like you around because not everyone can cook like you. Um, I will say I don't have any formal training with cooking. I um I I've learned through just like trying my own stuff. I took like three high school classes, um, but I wouldn't and I, and I definitely like pull upon that knowledge, but I never had any necessarily formal training. So don't be intimidated by anything that I try because nine times out of ten I try something and I'm like this is not gonna work. And that and today and today I was certain I was certain I was gonna destroy that rack of ribs that we. <laughs> <laughs> our freezer forever for so saving for it. <laughs> so do not do not be afraid to just give something a shot. Like real realistically, the whole meal cost me like thirty dollars, and you know, like worst case scenario, you order pizza. <laughs> um, are you ready to? I'm ready for my surprise. <laughs> the look you're giving me, right listener. Now. Listeners should also know that Emily's one of Emily's love languages is definitely receiving gifts. <laughs> so I'm waiting for her to look over at at, at her present before I. I'm looking. Is that the Satan beer? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. This is uh. This is the um pentagram from Surly. Oh. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, my favorite. <laughs> I know it is. And not just because Satan. It also tastes so good. Right. No. Um. And now I I, I, I will say this would be very hard for listeners to get their hands on. I, I got this when I had a job where I had access to this kinds of thing. And this is one of the last from my collection. So I do. I do apologize that you that you, it'll be at least somewhat difficult to recreate this part of the date at home. <laughs> but I wanted to share this with my fiance. You do treat me quite well. I try. <laughs> um, so the food was amazing. I would say mashed potatoes and Brussels sprouts are like among our favorites. But the movie that I picked for tonight is among one of my favorites for quite a few reasons. Tonight we watched The Grudge, which is based on uh, Juan, the Japanese horror movie. Um, which had plenty of the original staff um, on it. It makes me feel a lot better that it was based on a Japanese horror movie. You didn't actually tell me that. And the whole time I was just so annoyed with all the white people. Like, <laughs> why were there so many white people in that movie? But it makes me feel a lot better that it was like a remake, I guess, you know, but and like and like the original you're saying the original creators were involved or the original actors? Uh the original creators. The okay. original uh writer director also directed uh the American version. Um I'm grabbing his name right now because unfortunately, oh uh Takashi Shimizu. He's the 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 main person who's on this. Um but yeah, no, he was he was pretty heavily involved in both. Um, and then, of course, you've got the American, the American cast and whatever in our remake, which included like a bunch of people from Buffy. Yeah, Sarah Michelle <laughs> Gellar, Leah Duvall, and Jason Bear. <laughs> wow! So those are just so users know, you can always look to Emily to get the names right of people. Listen, so <laughs> so here are the two reasons that I picked The Grudge for tonight. First of all, because it's a pretty major movie for me. My 14th birthday um, was spent seeing The Grudge in the like in the middle of the night. Um, I went with my best friends from elementary slash middle school 
And we had an absolutely great time seeing the movie. And then we came home. We all slept in my parents' basement. And I couldn't sleep at all because I thoroughly believed I was about to die. So that's the first reason that I picked this movie. The second reason that I picked this movie is because in every generation, there is a chosen one. She alone stands against the vampires, (laughs) the demons, and the forces of darkness. She She is is the slayer. slayer. (laughs) Sarah Michelle Gellar is a great actress. And even when she's playing Daphne in Scooby-Doo, because she can't escape the Scooby gang to save her life, she is the epitome of badass femininity. And I can't get behind any actress more than I can get behind Sarah Michelle Gellar. That's interesting. You know, I I think I think her talent as an actress is is maybe not like top notch, but I think she plays roles that fit her really well. I think she's been well cast in her life. Whereas like like Bonnie Wright, for example, is as Ginny Weasley was like a terrible casting choice. You know what I mean? Like, and I, and I think I think maybe she would have had talent somewhere else. But I think I think Sarah Michelle Geller has been very well cast in her life. I didn't watch any of The Ringer. That's one show I think I should have watched that I think would have told me a little bit more. I watched like one episode when Robin Williams died, but that was that okay. was like about it. And I and I feel like I always should have watched a little more. So yeah. No, it wasn't The Ringer. The Ringer was the other show she did. What was the show she did with Robin Williams? Nah. <laughs> she, Robin Williams was on a show? Yeah, it was Sarah Michelle Gellar when he died. What? Yeah, she was like she was like spending every day with him when he killed himself. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to look into this. We'll have to look into this afterwards. I guess. But that that happened. Yeah. No. And like and like she was like she was like one of the main people interviewed when that whole thing went down. Oh. Because she it was like it was like her and him him and her were the were the like the two leads. This is seeming very Jason Ritter and Kaylee Cuoco, except uh, I don't not know Jason Ritter. I'm sorry. Um. Oh no, Three's Company. Not Jason Ritter because he's younger. That's bad. John Ritter. I'm pretty sure is right. Um, having a heart attack on the set of Eight Simple Rules and Kaylee Coco was there. Did he actually have a heart attack on set? Because I yeah. remember watching the episode where he died and being like, I no, just want to laugh I'm, after school. No, What's no, going no, on? No, I'm pretty sure he died on set. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> or he okay. had the heart attack on set. Um but anyway. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, The Grudge. Can we watch a horror movie with an ending, please? <laughs> no, because Why? horror movies with endings are just... Are better? I agree. So let's no, watch more of those. They're just fairy tales. <laughs> no, no, you can't say that. You loved Midsummer, and that had a solid, complete ending. It did have a solid ending, but the ending was... You fuck with a bitch, you get burned. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that could have been the ending here, too. All we had to see was the ghost kill Sarah Michelle Gellar. And the reaction after no. that. And we could have had the same exact no, 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 shit. No, So here's the thing. There's Here's the thing. This is why it doesn't have an ending. Because this is like a Japanese horror tradition. Um, on Ryo or on Ryu, depending on how you pronounce your Japanese. It is the vengeful spirit of a woman who often appears mostly in white with very pale skin. And then long dark hair. And there's usually a burst of color. Whether that's blood or some kind of royal symbol or something like that. That she is there in your face because she is pissed the fuck off just like the rest of us and there can't be an ending because her rage is pretty much eternal 
So that's why we can't have an ending for the garage. Just you, so you don't have not. to have an ending for the the horror the horror character, which was like the what was the what was the name of the girl before she died? Karen. No, 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 no. The name of the ghost. It's it's on IMDb. Maybe it's not oh, on the show. Maybe it's, it's not in the like, movie. Kyoko, something like yeah, that. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. But like, like I we I don't need an ending for her. I need an ending for the characters that I'm with. Okay. You know so what I Karen mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is this is the same reason why we couldn't watch Invader Zim was because of how often we ran into episodes that um that just like didn't end and I just like couldn't handle sure. that every single every single time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like it's like I I just I don't know. I just like I just I left the grudge feeling unsat- uh, unsatisfied. Like I w- w- well also liking the movie up until that point. Yeah, well, that is that is kind of the point, though. Horror movies should leave you feeling unsettled and like there isn't resolution. Discord isn't only important in the soundtrack. It's important in the plot as well. So resolution is often more of, you know, discontent than actual satisfaction in the plot being tied up. Um, I, guess it, I guess, like, for me, I'm not super into that. Like, if they I, I, I had would, destroyed the curse, I wouldn't have stayed up all night after my birthday party. But they didn't destroy the curse. The Unreal is still around. So she could get me. <laughs> okay. It's a I good guess, horror movie. I guess so. I, I should talk a little about my back, my history with horror movies here. Because yeah. um, when I was a kid, like literally being told the story of a horror movie would keep me up at night. And um, something that, that, ended up helping me a lot was a therapist that was like, why don't you read like the end of the story? You know, and a lot, and a lot of times like the monster was killed and that's kind of how I got over. I can't remember if it was Chucky or Pennywise who dies at the end of his story, but I haven't seen either one of those movies, but I heard the story of both of them and they kept me up at night. And one of them is like ended in the end of his story. So I was able to like, I was able to move past that one. And so maybe, maybe there's something there. Maybe, maybe it sort of brings back like a memory of, of how I used to feel. I guess I just like, I don't know. I, I I didn't, I didn't feel like scared at the end. I was just sort of like irritated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as long as you feel bad. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. So there's like, there's a lot about this movie that I feel like we should delve into, but I think the most important question is Karen, bad bitch or dumb bitch? When she opens the closet in the first place, yes, with the cat. So is then- that just like is that just like the mom or is that the the older woman who who died in the bed? Um, is that was that her trying to keep the curse like locked into the attic? With all the tape, is that what the, what was going on? I believe so. Yeah. Okay. yeah, because because both her both her kids and her or her daughter, right? Her daughter yeah. and her husband had already been killed and dragged to the attic. She couldn't yeah. do shit about it because she was too old and infirm. So she just taped the closet shut. Yeah. And okay. This and this is kind of something that I want to touch on because I um I don't work directly with the elderly, but my career has taken me to a place where I do spend quite a bit of time. With the elderly, um, particularly patients with dementia. And I would say that um, she was definitely protected. I never, I don't wish dementia on anyone or any family. But I would say that um, a lot of the darkness and the hatred and the evil in the world, both in the horror realm and in our real world, dementia patients are definitely protected from because their minds are kind of a little bit more 
I don't know. Elastic is the wrong word. Moldable. They can take in anything. She So she was dealing with the problem mm-hmm. um, as opposed to dealing with her fear because it didn't, it didn't. So, so you're saying you're saying this is like from your perspective. So like from your, your yeah. perspective, she could someone accept, with dementia is more likely to accept what's going on and deal with it in the moment. Or, or at least interact with it as if it's real. Gotcha. As opposed to, you know, Karen, who at first was like, this isn't like, this isn't a thing. And then she's in shock and she can't deal with what's happening. She can't deal with what's happening even while Doug is dying in her arms of shock and fear. But Emma is able to tape up the closet. So back to Karen being bad bitch or dumb bitch, opening up the closet. I'm going to go to my the argument that I've made. Every time we've talked about anything like this, you don't expect a horror movie situation to be real. You go to a, person, a person's house with dementia and you hear a, cla- a cat in the closet, you let that cat out. One thing that annoys me about horror movies a lot is like is like when Yoko was in the in the attic. Why was she scared? She was just in an attic. That was it. She was just checking out the attic. Why was she shaking with fright? You know what I mean? It's like, you get what I'm saying? It, like, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense for her to be afraid. It's like, and then that kind of like took me out of that uh, that initial scene. And then and then when they did reveal the ghost, I was kind of like, well, yeah, of course there's a ghost. She was afraid for no reason. That was just the that was just the director telling her to well, be afraid. Well, I I believe <laughs> that we're supposed to know that she saw um, the Onryo, the Onryu, um, because that's what ripped off her jaw. Well, yeah, the, no, 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 we, we see her see the Onryu, like, yeah, right so then. Yeah, of course she's scared. No, but I'm saying, like, before that, she's holding the lighter, and she's, like, shaking. Like, you're just in an attic. What are you afraid mm-hmm. of? There's nothing to be afraid of. I've been in attics a hundred times. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid someone's going to come out of the, the wall, because that shit's in movies. It's not in yeah. real life. So it's like, it's like, it's like when I'm watching a movie, I want them to act like they're in real life, not like they're in a movie. Okay, So well, So when people do things like that, and they shake, I go, oh, that's just the director telling them to be afraid, because there's no actual reason for them to be afraid. Well, that's assuming that in the universe of The Grudge, there are horror movies where she would have learned some of the rules. Like, you don't follow the strange noise, which was, like, the feet running around or whatever. So, I, I I like the whole, like, you know, don't go in the door, you know what I mean? Like, don't follow the strange noise, like, as a joke. Mm-hmm. But, like, realistically, nobody actually learns from horror movies. True. Nobody Nobody watches a horror movie and goes, oh, yeah. The next time I hear a scream outside, I'm not going to go check it out. Like, no, you hear someone scream, you go check it out. You go figure out what's going on. You see if you do something you can do. Maybe the thing you only thing you can do is call 911, but, like, you still go see what you can do. You don't just, like, ignore it because it's probably a demon. Uh, <laughs> so, first of all, I'm not going to check out the noise. I'm sending you. <laughs> um. But same difference, though. You wouldn't risk me any more than you risk yourself if you actually thought that there was a demon out there. I would rather die wrapped up in my blanket in denial than <laughs> actually I wouldn't. I regret saying that. <laughs> <sighs> but also if I thought there was really something wrong, if I thought I was being haunted by the ghost of a vengeful woman and her ghost child, I would call a priest. And there's precedent for that that we're going to talk about in a different episode where it fits better. <laughs> okay. Watch like uh, this one with Emily in the title. Uh, the Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yeah, that'd be a good one, right? No. Can go into your... Maybe. <laughs> into your religious backstory. My religious backstory <laughs> is... 
<laughs> it's extensive. Um, but I guess I see what you're saying. So that, then I guess my question for you is if she needed to untape the door. How do you justify what happens to her afterwards? What do you mean? Well, like you you say that everyone has to go investigate the sound. So she untapes the door. And like, yes, granted, Emma had dementia. So she was doing things that don't make sense to most people, but it made sense to her for reasons we already discussed. And Sarah I mean, Michelle she Gellar- the door because she had nowhere else to go and could barely talk to people and like had no other option but to fight it herself. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. But so, so was Karen justified in untaping the door or should she not have done it? Because we're either playing by horror movie rules or playing with caregiver rules, which is don't let whatever's going on go on. See, I don't think horror movies exist in reality. And I think that in the moment of watching a horror movie, the character should not follow horror movie rules because that doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? Nobody, nobody. It's like, I, I get, I understand why people scream like, don't open the door. Like, why are you doing that? That's so stupid. Like, mm. turn on the light. Why'd you leave the light off? It's like, but like horror movies aren't like, nobody actually learns from that. So I guess it bothers me when people act like they've seen a horror movie before in a horror movie. Sure. Sure. <laughs> you know? Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, There's actually, like, a lot of cultural significance to this movie, I think, both for Japanese culture and for American culture, for better or for worse. Um, I think that Japanese architecture really lent itself to the creepiness. Everything was very blunt and square. Um, I agree with that. And you could see through a lot of things, but not completely. Um, So I think that lent itself a lot to like the disturbing unsettling discord because you have all this order in the setting but all this discord and chaos in the plot and I thought that was really you know one thing I really enjoyed about the movie like so much was the was the different timelines um that's something I've always enjoyed and I wish I wish I could come up with an example of of like a timeline switching thing. I was trying to think of one the whole movie because I know I like this plotline, but I can't think of the only one I can only really think of is the is the Doctor Who episode with the angels, where like oh, the sure. video was filmed like way beforehand yeah. and then but it still wasn't the same thing. Like I really love the thing where it's like the movie keeps starting over. You know what I mean? Like you you see what happens and then it starts over and you see what happens from there. Uh, I think magicians did an episode like this. I'm almost certain of it because th- that's the kind of thing they would do. Right. And uh, and and I like like the moment where we see um, the woman who was pulled into her bed was she the sister of? Yes. Okay. Of okay. the original couple that was Susan. Okay. Yes. Okay. So so when we see her in the office leaving the message that we heard and then I realized like oh this is only days apart it's not like 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 this woman the old like Emma has only lived in the house for a couple days Yoko was only there for a few days like even even though Sarah Michelle Gellick Karen was the was the temp Yoko was still new it's not like this this whole situation was like brand new and and I didn't like really fully get that until I heard her leaving the message and then I realized, oh, this is current. They're all still in Tokyo. Yeah. Now I'm realizing that the other two, the the sister and her husband are missing. And that kind of like clicked with me. And I like it when stuff like that happens in that timeline. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, like that timeline, that like, like when they, when it starts over and then I realize, oh, okay. And like, and it makes, makes things connect. Yes. Did, but did you catch when the curse took hold? 
Well, the curse took hold when the the woman and her son's husband murdered them brutally and they died in a rage yes. or panic. And then and then so that um, was three years previous. So this is only right. a three year old haunting. And I think that is very interesting because um usually you hear about hauntings from from entities from like the 19th century or the 18th century. Like they're usually hundreds of years old or at least a hundred years old. But we have a very modern haunting, a very modern curse on a place, which is abnormal. No, yeah, that's super abnormal actually. I um I listen to a podcast that talks about um about spooky stories and stuff a lot. And and like one of the hosts gets like really affected if the if the if the date is like a spe- too specific of a date or too recent of a date. Yeah. Then he's like, then he's like, oh wait, no, I don't want to hear this story. Like, <laughs> like this ghost could have opted to get triggered by Kelly Osbourne's music <laughs> because she was popular when this movie came out. Like, like this is a very 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 fresh haunting. And I think that almost gives it more power because the rage. Um, I didn't realize what you meant by when. I thought you meant like when in the movie did the curse take hold. Now well, I yes, now that I understand too. The point well, that to too. That too. But it's very clearly set in like a modern, a modern period. So I think we can, I think we can safely place Karen in 2004 when the movie came out without too much error, if that makes sense. So we could say that she's familiar with anything that would have been available in 2004. Um, There was something else I wanted to say about it, but it's gone. It's probably a good, good beer. Can you taste the wine a little more than the last time we had it? Yes. Because I kept this one in the basement for a little while. Oh, Oh, (laughs) I wanted to say, I really appreciate this. So... We've been watching a lot of Buffy lately, and you get kind of annoyed with me when I get um, too into my phone or too into whatever else that is distracting me from what we're watching. And well, because sometimes things happen, and you and you sure you have to be watching to get them, especially in right. Buffy, because it is horrific. So sometimes things like just pass by in the background. Yeah, and, yeah, and things like but that. I, but I took a lot of notes this movie, and you didn't say anything. And I like I was like nervous the whole time. I was like, I just you know I want to take really good notes for our episode, um, but I don't want you to think I'm not present here for our date and. I just really appreciate you trusting me to do both. Well, one thing you should, one thing, what pattern I think you should maybe recognize here is that when you are on your phone too much and I say, hey, we're watching a show, you know, you go, you go, I'm out, I'm doing work stuff. I go, oh, okay. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's really more about what you're doing. Sometimes I look over at you and you're just scrolling on Facebook and we're trying to watch a show together. Yeah, but <laughs> sometimes you can't really see what I'm doing. I just don't want you to feel... I get you. Like even That's sweet of like you. yeah, I just don't want you to feel like I'm not present with you and I I was. I was actually so present with you that I needed to make note of <laughs> You just <laughs> of let me do that. Which I really appreciate because I mean that sometimes my anxiety and my bipolar needs me to be a little bit more distracted than normal, but Right. Speaking of your anxiety, mm-hmm. I want to talk about how afraid you are of hair in the shower. And how that's definitely because of this movie. Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, my God. It so, grosses so, me out. So just for, like, listeners' perspective, Emily loves her hair. We're going to post some pictures of our date tonight. And, like, she just got it done. And it's got, she got these cute little purple bangs and, like, some blue on the side. And it's real cute. And I really like it. And she really likes it. But the second 
that hair comes off her head. It is the most disgusting thing that has ever existed on the planet. And she will literally like, it's like, it's like I, well, like, I've been brushing my hair and like with my fingers and I'll hold my hand away and I'll have like two strands of hair and she'll literally gag like, like, like full on uncontrollably gag. And I am certain that it's because of this movie, because of how often the imagery is the same. Like when he when he was pushing when he when the the little kid came out of the water and he came back with a handful of hair, that's like what made you throw up that one time when I showed you like my hand covered in hair. Stop <laughs> talking. So this movie really affected you, huh? Yes. Are you okay? No. <laughs> hair is disgusting. <laughs> Unless it's attached to your head, right? Yes. Or your <laughs> eyebrows. That's acceptable too. Or your face. I like your beard. Do you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it, it is. So this movie actually affected more than just like my aversion to hair. Um, children. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fair enough. Uh, Toshio. I get so, scary. He is scary, but it's also very, very, very tragic. Like, he just gets drowned because his mom is obsessed with someone who's not his dad. And that's unjust and unfair. And this poor kid, but also, <laughs> somebody get me some holy water. <laughs> no, thanks. You know, I didn't actually connect that, that, um, I didn't connect the whole thing. Like, that's why she was in all the pictures, because she was stalking him. Yes, she was stalking Peter, 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 Peter. That's why he killed. For some reason, I was thinking that Peter was on a separate timeline, but we knew, like, like he was like, he was like the first victim or something. But obviously, he wasn't because he, he, like, uh, she had been obsessed with him and stuff. That's. Yeah. Okay. Well, I will say that that definitely is a more conclusive story than I was thinking. I still wish I had a conclusive story on Sarah Michelle Geller's timeline, but realistically, that's like the only timeline they didn't tie up. So I guess. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll give I'll give this. I'll, I, I really enjoyed the movie up until that point. So I'll, I'll I'll let I'll let that little thing go. So so how it goes is let me let me pull her up real quick. Uh, Kayako. She is stalking Peter, whose wife is played by Clea Duvall, who's the invisible girl from the episode of Buffy. Right, right, right. Um, so she's stalking him. Um, That's why I barely recognize her. She's invisible half the episode. Exactly. <laughs> um, her husband, Takio, figures it out because of the journal, the same journal that uh, Karen, Sarah Michelle Geller's character, comes upon. Okay. He murders uh, Toshio, their cat, whose name is, I actually know the cat's name, Marv. So so the cat is actually a separate yes. entity. Because when, when the kid opened his mouth and meowed, I thought maybe the cat was just like an extension of his like oh, ghostness. So here's what I took from that. Because the kid is making the cat sound, that is the destruction of two innocent beings. And they're just like one, all three of them are like one curse together. Kind of, so why yes. wouldn't their powers cross right, exactly. to like in order to torture exactly. their victims? Yeah. Um, and then it's actually, I actually think it's, it's her, it's uh, Kako who kills uh, Takio. I think she hangs him. I think it's actually her ghost. She comes back pretty quick and gets him. 
I feel like he probably killed himself after killing his son and mm. wife. I think it's he in, hung himself. I think she did it. I think it was her. Okay. Um, it's, I wonder, did we miss something in the movie that concludes that? Or is that kind of left to our... From what I know about about the vengeful uh, feminine spirits of Japanese lore, she did it. Oh, okay. Well, hey, fair enough. But I guess I guess I could be wrong, but probably not. I'm just gonna say probably not. Maybe. Well, someone let us know. It's hard to stake a claim on rightness. <laughs> let us know what you think. If you think if we if we miss something and and there's a conclusive uh, piece of evidence in the movie that made know. us that made us think one way or made us or should have made us think one way or the yeah. other, let us know. If it's not that way and you have an opinion, let us know that as well. Yeah, we definitely want to uh, get to know our listeners on this and and you know work with you guys and. We hope we hope to improve your lives both by listening to us and also just by hel- helping people and with their relationships and 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 with getting through trauma and things like that. That's right. What we're trying to do here, right? Because one thing about horror movies for us is that it's pretty polarizing. Um, horror movies really exacerbate Evan's mental illnesses, or at least they did when he was a kid. If they, they used still, to. Yeah. If they still did, we would not be doing this. My and, and and just to be clear, it was so extreme as a kid that Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets kept me up at night. It was like it was like any horrific image messed with me. So the idea of watching an actual horror movie was like, I, I mean, I mean, it was it was just so far out of my purview. I, that that it was just it, I mean it, uh, my my friends would throw a, a Halloween party. My first question was, "Are you guys watching horror movies?" And it was yes. It was like, "Guess I'm staying in." You know what I mean? It was just like no question. Whereas for me, horror movies were definitely like a kind of salve or a bomb for my issues, which were mostly anxiety and loneliness and those kinds of things. Um, but I was also very much like allowed to have horror movies as an outlet. I remember being seven years old and my mom rented me I Know What You Did Last Summer and Candyman, which was one of the most horrifying movies of the 90s. I know it came out in 92, but still, even to this day, I would say it's one of the scariest movies out there. But And and, where, and whereas I was sort of the opposite, whereas like I wasn't allowed to watch Power Rangers until I was too old to not want to watch Power Rangers anymore. <laughs> right. And and I, you know, I, I've dealt with uh with some emotions with that with my parents and we've talked about it a lot as an adult and and um I I I feel like their parenting strategy in that regard was valid, maybe didn't fit so well with me. And and the last time I talked to my mom, I think she was kind of on the same page. She might disagree with that now and she'll probably tell me if she hears this episode, but <laughs> In our test episode, we laid into my mom pretty hard. So, (laughs) which maybe we'll release to you guys as a Patreon bonus or something at some point when we get to the point of having Patreon bonuses. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) Is there anything in particular that you, besides having an ending, is there anything in particular that you wish the grudge had done that it didn't do? Not that wasn't affected by the year it came out versus the year we're in now. Okay. Um. The the noise that she made was kind of cheesy to me. Her facial expression was kind of cheesy to me. But like, I remember being scared of the trailer of this movie. 
You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. so so it's like so like when I it's so like at the time, like Annie's been upped. You know what I mean? Like if you compare Buffy to American Horror Story, which were like both, you know, yeah, TV shows. It's like it's like they don't even it doesn't even compare how much more horrifying American Horror Story is. The same thing here. It's like if I watch a horror movie that's like in theaters today, it's not even like like Midsummer. Like we watched, like that movie got me. If you remember when when they crushed the dude's head and everyone was screaming, I like yeah, you I, like, were done. Yeah, I was like I didn't want to watch the movie anymore. Yeah. We actually took like a two month break if I remember. We did. Like, <laughs> we did. But the thing is, is that horror movies go through all sorts of transformations and trends, and when. When special effects get better, they get scarier because it's more real. Well, so that's kind of my point. Is like, is like any criticism I would have wouldn't really be a criticism. Okay. It would just be like, it would just literally be that like, I feel like I'm in a different perspective. Had I been in the perspective that the director wanted to be, wanted me to be, which would be like somebody alive in 2002 or whenever this movie came out, 2004. 2004, right? Yeah. yeah. Like someone alive in 2004, you know what I mean? Like I can't get myself in that perspective because even though I was alive in 2004, like I can't like erase the things that I've seen, you know, in order to like be scared by this movie. Sure. Yeah. So the last thing that I want to point out about this movie and one of the reasons that I picked it is because this is a movie of kind of, um, racial significance for me. Um, so there was kind of a trend in American horror of recreating Japanese horror movies, which is awesome. The Japanese originals are far and above better than the American versions, I think. Um, but the American remakes, they really do kind of tout this sort of English superiority with language, not only because um, they've largely been translated, but when you break down the scenes and who gets help. So I'm thinking about Susan right now, the sister of Peter um, and his his wife, Clea Duval's character. I can't, I can't remember her name right now, but uh -huh. um, I'm thinking about Susan. She's running through the building and she gets to the security office and she's pleading. She's pleading in Japanese. I saw something on the 10th floor. I saw something here. And then she finally goes, please, just go. Please, just help me in English. And the very next shot, he's going. As if the Japanese language can't portray desperation or fear or urgency as well as English can. And like, it's I feel like not it's more like it's hard to speak a language, your second language when you're panicked. I, d I disagree because okay. uh, to me, her panic, the actress's panic was there. The actress wasn't deadpanning it. She wasn't downplaying the language, but I feel like the writers made a very clear choice her communicating in Japanese wasn't good enough to get her help. She had to communicate in English. And the guard is going to understand desperation better in English than he is in Japanese, even though he's Japanese himself. I think you misinterpreted that situation because he spoke English first. Um, no, 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 he did. He, I mean, no, 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 when no, people not first, say not things first. like, when people she, say things like, okay, okay, you can't really say that they're. No, 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 no. He said, he said, he said, okay, okay, sit down, calm down. She came in, spoke English, and then went, oh shit, and then tried to speak Japanese, but she could barely do it because she was panicked. And then he was like, he but was like, okay, okay, sit down. Her explanation. Also, aren't all the creators of this movie Japanese? Yes, they are, but the screenplay was rewritten for American audiences. Okay. 
it wasn't a strict translation. The screenplay was redone. See, every everything that I had trouble with went away when I found out that it was recreated by the same people. Mm. Because like, because so they just they just recreated it to be to be digestible right. by the same by a different audience. You know, so that's the fair. original the original writer directed the American remake. But the screenplay was redone for American audiences, which is fine because you have to tailor to your market. But the remake still, to me, puts puts English ahead of Japanese because that's the language that gets help. That's the See, language. I felt that until I found out that it had the same people from the original. So movie. the the police who get themselves killed speak to each other in Japanese. But Sarah Michelle Gellar's character Karen at least makes it to the end of the movie and she communicates entirely in English. Mm-hmm. Well, it's um, established there's no Japanese. She knows some, I believe. No, they they say it's an English speaking house. You'll be fine. Oh, like well, they, they literally well, established yeah, that she cannot she speak she in can't Japanese. Speak yeah, fluent Japanese. Right. Yes. Um, I also think, like, even even some of like the um, even some of the imagery kind of harkens back to American horror because it wants to get us Susan's death in particular. She gets sucked into a bed, which reminds me of another death that I know. <laughs> AKA Johnny Depp's in a nightmare on Elm Street, which not saying that it's exactly the same. I saw it too. But yeah, but it's still something that that we can that we can see as a similarity. So I don't know. I think that some of the authenticity is lost and you can disagree with me all you want. Oh, I think some of it's lost, but I think it's okay that that authenticity sure. is lost because of who made it. They they were trying to take a story and make it something that was more attractive to people. Now, should it should is it good that American audience can only digest things with white people in it? No, of course not. That's horrible. But I, I think I think that's not a fault of the director or a fault of his goal, which was try to get trying to get his story to more people. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, fair enough. But I think um I think that we could have we could have had just as a successful like American showing of the movie if Susan's character hadn't had to switch to English. That's like a big moment for me is when she switches to English. You think she could have just walked in there and just been like fluent in Japanese and that would have just been fine. I think I think I think we heard her say (sighs) 10th floor quite Clearly, I think she said competently there's something on the 10th floor and she was desperate enough in her acting. The actress was desperate enough in her acting that a, any security guard with his salt would have said, OK, something on the 10th floor is causing this woman distress. So I'm going to go check that out. She doesn't need to say it in English. I understand why she said it in English, because it was for an American audience. But it's it's kind of implied that being the frantic American lady is what ultimately got her help. And you can see that or not, but in this movie in particular, but I mean, this, the, the English superiority, the imperialism, it's there. Okay. I feel fair enough. I, um, I guess, I guess my, I guess it feels weird to have it, have something like that happen. With when the creator is from the same culture that you're saying is being disrespected, 
you know, because usually, because usually it's not sure. that. So I, so I guess, I guess that's my entire argument against it. It's not anything that I saw in there that made me feel a certain way. It's just the fact that it's backed by the original creator from the original story, which is not usually the case. Sure, but so, creators... so, so you could very well be right. It's just a very weird situation that, that happened. It's weird. It's weird circumstances that happened. It. I will say that creators are not capital. And usually the capital is what makes the decision. And if you disagree with me, you can just go ahead and sleep with one eye open because I will die on that hill. Yearly Ever After was brought to you by Sumtree Productions, a podcast collective founded on the philosophical concept of emergence. Please feel free to check out our other podcasts, Boobies, Bits, and Booty, Antiquity of Comics, and The Beat Plus the Melody. To find out how you can join the forest, please check out SumtreeProductions.com. Steal into our crypt by liking Eerily Ever After on Facebook, following us on Instagram at Eerily Ever After, and following us on Twitter at EEA 